Welcome to the City Rev Life Podcast. My name is Pastor Justin. I'm here with Pastor Roby. What's going on, Roby? Oh, nothing. Just doing some podcasts. Doing some podcasts. Here we are. We were on episode three of our Church Hurt series. We've had conversations. We had the first one, an introduction mm-hmm. uh, into it. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous ones, we'd highly encourage that. That'll be helpful in setting mm-hmm. up this conversation. Uh, we also spoke about what it looks like when there's broken trust. Yes. When there's a leader in our lives, uh, that maybe a church leader who fails in some way. And how do you how do you recover from that disorienting experience? Mm-hmm. But today we're having uh, another conversation in the topic of church. Why don't you introduce it for us, Roby? Yeah, so one key, a common uh, part of church hurt is when churches get divided. And, uh, you know, there's two differing groups that feel super strongly about their opinion. It doesn't seem reconcilable. And so at some point, one group leaves Maybe they disperse, maybe they start a church down the street, uh, or um, maybe they all go together to another church, but it is when churches are divided. And um, a couple things uh, to consider on this just out of the gate. How does this happen? Why does this happen? Mm. I think almost always the differing opinion is presented as a biblical or theological issue. Right. Because that's the only thing that carries weight. That's the authority in the church. So everyone knows we shouldn't be disagreeing this sharply about things unless it's biblical or theological. So almost everything when there's division is presented as, uh, as a theological issue, as a primary theological issue, as a biblical issue. And so the debate gets particularly fierce because the one side is saying we are biblical and honoring God and the other is saying, no, we are biblical and honoring God and you're not. And so it can get really heated very quickly. But I would venture to say almost always, almost always, um, not always, but almost always, it is actually not a biblical or theological issue that's dividing the church. It is a preference issue Mm. or a strategy issue or it is just a division along friendship lines. If it was truly a theological issue, then it is, uh, and, and often those two divisions are along friendship lines. You know, it's this whole Sunday school class or this whole small group and this whole mm. small group and this whole ministry are all on the same page. These small groups and these Sunday school classes or these ministries are not. It's very rarely just kind of randomly sprinkled throughout right. where there's no friendship connection. The fault lines happen, just so happen exactly. to be along relationships. And so lines, a, yeah. a lot of times it's along preference issues or friendship lines mm-hmm. um, rather than biblical or theological issues. And, and we can, I think we need to pause and, and talk about that for a minute. And, and this is, um, the, the culprits for this is not, it, it's not one side or the other. It can be both the leadership or it could be the the body, or it can be part of the leadership. It can be this can happen within staffs, or within deacon board, or elder boards, yeah. or trustees, or whatever the different church calls it. Um, it. It can be all over. This kind of situation can happen within a church, but it's usually a preference issue, or uh, the the divide is along friendship lines rather than theological issues. So let me just give an example. Yeah, go for it. Um, 
A theological issue would be a pastor friend of mine uh, who was taking a stand at his local denomination because the denomination was open to redefining the nature of the Trinity. Mm -hmm. They said no longer do churches in this denomination need to acknowledge the triune God as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is a theological issue. Theological issue. That is a dividing line. That is a place to take a stand. Mm-hmm. Not a theological issue would be the what's sometimes called the worship wars of the 1990s, where there was traditional music, hymns, um, some choruses, hymn books, and then there was now contemporary worship music. And there were, it was no longer or primarily organ and piano driven. It mm-hmm. was electric guitar and drums. Right. That was almost where it was really intense, it was always presented as a theological, biblical issue. This type of music is biblical. This type of music is unbiblical. Or the words would be irreverent. It's irreverent. Yeah, irreverent. And, and um, which meaning it were, the Bible tells us to have reverence before the Lord. So it would eventually get anchored into Bible verses right. and stuff like that. Well, the reality of that, that's purely a preference issue. Right. There was a point in time when the organ was the scandalous new instrument. They couldn't believe they were bringing an instrument used in the circus into the church. And so there's a time that that was a scandalous theological divide. And then just a few generations later, I can't believe we're taking the organ out of the church. That's unbiblical. Right. Most of the time divisions happen are over preference issues and along friendship lines. The most common moment for these kinds of divisions is during transition. It is sometimes during transition, mm-hmm. like a, a um, strategic transition, some kind of change in ministry philosophy, but even more often it is a leadership transition. There's change a, in general. A change in general, but... Um, uh, especially, and that's, we know that even in, in any context, in the right. marketplace context, any context has changed, there's going to be division, but especially in the church context, a, a leadership transition when there's a new pastor or a pastor um, is no longer the pastor there in those moments, in that vacuum of leadership, there there is division, which also is one of the reasons that division happens. Sometimes it's just about power so that I can keep things along my preferences. Yeah. Yeah, we like things the way that they are oftentimes. Um, And then there's uh, oftentimes there's people who feel like the way things are as they currently are, are the obstacle getting in the way of us fulfilling our mission. Right. So in that transition phase, be it a new leader steps in or be it a new ministry strategy being employed. Well, then we start saying certain strategies or methods. Uh, We start saying, well, this is unbiblical. This is biblical. This is irreverent. This is reverent. And that can start to become the source for deep division, party, you know, fault lines being formed right. and a battle ensuing. And so what should we, just in response to that, um, you know, just in terms of biblical categories, wh- how should we respond um, when you're walking through that or you've experienced that? Yes. What does that look like? Sure. I, I think that when you're a part of a church or have been part of a church and they're walking through some kind of change or transition, um, it can be a new name, it can be a new location, it can be a new strategy, or it can be a new leader. Um, and those moments, I think one key thing that has to happen is we have to acknowledge we have a lot of emotions. We have to acknowledge that this is probably not a theological, biblical issue, but there's 
something about that old leader or that old location or that old methodology that meant something very significant to me. It's not insignificant. I need to acknowledge that pain and I probably need some time to grieve. Yeah. And so as I'm, I'm grieving that, acknowledging what it is, this is not a, a, a heretical breach of theology. Mm. It is, I'm grieving, I'm sad. Um, and I need time to grieve that that leader is no longer here, that my church is not going to feel like it was before. It's going to feel different and I need to grieve. I also then need to acknowledge that God is doing a new work Mm -hmm. all the time. God says things in the Bible, like sing to the Lord. There's a command, sing to the Lord, a new song. Behold, I'm doing something new. Behold, I make all things new. Um, he's bringing um, new wine and new wineskins. God is a is a creative. He's recreating. There's going to be new things, and I need to grieve, and I need to have acceptance that God doesn't leave things the same. There's a new generation that needs to be reached, and so we have to embrace. I have to grieve that, and that's legitimate. I need to grieve that that's lost, but I also want to have some acceptance mm-hmm. of God doing a new work. Yeah, I like what um, Pastor Josh Bramos, he talks about this often about a lot of times we when we experience the Lord through a particular way or a particular ministry was so impactful to us and there was a way that it was done that was really powerful, we can fall into the trap of putting our trust in the method, in the style of the ministry and the strategy right. and think it's an equation and attach that. And when we do that, we, we're not walking in faith. We're, we're not surrendering and submitting to the Lord. We're putting our confidence in this strategy, in this system. Um, and I think sometimes it's easy for us if we've been deeply impacted in a way, we're really invested in this particular way of doing things. We have this such a strong experience of life change through that, or we've encountered the Lord in that way. We're really bought into it. So it's hard for us to let go. It's hard for us to, you know... Uh, move move out from that but this concept you know what the lord does a new work right um it's jesus you know that example of new wine needs new wineskins um the important thing is the lord has not changed but the way that he works changes all the time uh he works he works in new ways and so uh when it comes to leadership uh we were talking about romans chapter 13 and the way that that passage really relates to this. Um, Do you have that there? You want to read uh, Romans 13, 1 and 2? Yeah, that's a really important passage because I think if you're listening and you are walking through this or have walked through this, probably the question rising up in you is, but what if the leadership is wrong? (laughs) What if this is not God and this new thing is a mistake? And that happens. That happens. What do we do? And this is where understanding God's framework of leadership yeah. is so important. Here's what it says. This is Paul in Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Very clear, yeah. very clear instruction from Paul. And it's like, well, easy for Paul to say. He doesn't know the the pastor at my old church that, you know, changed things up or the or the kids ministry director that had this one thing or that new worship leader that came in and changed everything. They don't know like how that was all about ego or whatever it may be. They don't know about that leader. It's easy for Paul to say. 
Well, actually not easy for Paul to say because who Paul is, is the emperor of the day that Paul is referring to was Nero, one of the worst emperors in history who um, tortured Christians with great glee and eventually under his reign, Paul was executed. So Paul's saying this um, with one of the... Uh, trying to honor the Lord under one of the worst leaders in the history mm -hmm. of mankind. And so understanding if you may not agree that this is a new work and that the new work is from God, so then what do you do? You have to honor where in the leadership structure God has placed you. Mm -hmm. If he's placed you as part of the leadership, do your part and speak up, not speaking up would be sin. Now, there's a right way and a wrong way to speak up. Speak the truth in love, mm -hmm. but speak up in the correct, appropriate uh, line of command. If you are not currently in leadership in your church, you've got to honor, then then you then there's another way you handle this. You, you share this with your leaders. We have to uh, understand the leadership role that he has given us at this time. Mm -hmm. That is when division really starts to happen. It's when people are like, no, I'm right, this is wrong, and then they create for themselves a leadership position that God has not granted them. Yeah. And so they, they or it could, be a, a, it could be a lead pastor or a board who's taking authority that God has not granted them mm. and, and taking liberties that God has not, has not granted them. Part of understanding how to prevent division is by understanding the level of leadership God has provided and trusting the leadership that God has provided that he will intend to work, he will work through them. And if they're wrong, that's between them and the Lord. Right. And so I've got to stay within the leadership uh, that God that God has uh, that God has aligned. It's like uh, what Gamaliel says in um, in Acts when they're questioning, mm. um, is this really from the Lord, all this talk about, yeah. about Jesus? Time will tell. And he says, time will tell, but let's make sure we're not on the wrong side of this. Correct, yeah. And so we, the last thing we would want to do is be working against the Lord Jesus Christ and what he wants to do in our church. Yeah. So that is that should give every person in the mix, whether it's an elder, a deacon, a lay person, someone attending, or mm -hmm. a lead pastor, senior pastor, worship pastor, whoever's in the mix, we've got to humble ourselves and ask us, am I so sure? Like, I'm going to do the best I can before mm -hmm. the Lord, but I do not want to be on the wrong side of how God of the work, the new work that the Lord is wanting to do at my church. Yeah, there, there is a category where we would say the disagreement or the the challenge that we're having it's not theological but we just have strong convictions that this direction is not wise it's not helpful so in those situations it's a matter of trusting the lord that he has set up the leadership of the church it, god god is you know not um blind to what's taking place he's not surprised by what's taking right. place he has set up leadership over his people and if you're in that context and you have that sharp disagreement about what's taking place, I think it's also having the humility in some instances to say, it's possible for me to be wrong as well. Yeah. It is possible that my super strong convictions, I've had my own <laughs> strong convictions about something that have turned out to be wrong and yeah. I've been proven wrong. So we have to have the humility to recognize right. 
when we're when we're not talking about theological, you know, abandoning the Trinity. Right. When we're not talking, it is possible for me to be fallible and right. for me to have those strong convictions and the wisdom of saying, "Listen, we talked about it in the last uh, the last episode, Hebrews thirteen seventeen. Obey your leaders and submit to them. They're keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Yes, it's the leaders." who will have to give an account before the Lord for how they lead. And if you're in a situation where you're in sharp disagreement, uh, we're going to talk practically here in a moment about how, how do you respond in those types of situations yes. in a way that's honoring to the Lord um, and in a way that he's given us instruction for how to do that. Uh, but the way that we approach that is with the humility of recognizing where has God placed me sovereignly? Like he, he's in control. He's placed me in this position at my church. Right. He's placed this other individual, these other individuals in a different place. Yes. Yeah. So just to kind of think through, there's, there's different people listening to this podcast who have experienced pain yes. in the area of church disunity, church right. division. There's the person who was like, honestly, a bystander, you know, there's the person right. who saw these things get ugly and they didn't get it. It hurt them. It was frustrating and confusing. How could these people fight over something so foolish? So there's that kind of outsider. There's also the person who, you know, was very much engaged in the battle. Mm -hmm. And there's a good way of voicing that. And there's an unhelpful, unhealthy way of voicing that. So there's people kind of in different spheres. Sure. What does it look like when we experience that type of disunity to honor the Lord, you know, especially if, um, especially if we're wanting to actually be a part of the solution? Right. I think that's well put. Um, I think for starters, let's just start real basic. Gossip is a sin. It is a sin. Mm. Do not gossip. You are, if someone is gossiping, they're talking negatively about someone else to another person who knows that person. That is gossip. Even if it's sharing the truth about that person. Even if it's sharing the truth about that person. If you've got an issue, the Bible's super clear. Mm -hmm. Go to the person. Don't go to someone else for advice first. Don't go to someone else for prayer first, unless that person is maybe outside the situation and doesn't know the person or... Uh, yeah, doesn't know the person. Otherwise, it is gossip, and gossip is a sin. So gossip stirs up division in mm. the church, and the church should know better. It's very clear. Do not gossip. Don't talk negatively about other people. Just don't do it. Hold our tongues. Don't talk with innuendo about some other. There's a ways we can try and like hide that we're talking mm. negatively about other people, but don't gossip. If you have something that you're concerned about, approach it with humility, speak the truth in love, but through the correct channels. Uh, take it up the leadership, um, the up the leadership chain, not sideways and not down. Don't get your entire small group or Sunday school class or ministry team on your side first and then take it to that leader. Um, that that's that's sinful that's stirring up division there there's that's um uh, bringing getting that's building a faction that's what that is and the last thing we would want should want to do is to dare do anything that might harm the bride of christ mm -hmm. it's not my church 
whether I'm the lead pastor, an elder, a deacon, or whatever the role is, or uh, I attend, uh, whatever role, it's not my church. It belongs to Jesus. It's not under my control. It's under the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus suffered and died that we might Mm -hmm. be unified. He prayed about it on the night he was arrested in John 17, that we might be unified. I do not want to be a part of the force that is working against disunifying the Mm -hmm. church. And so how strong does the Bible talk about people who are bringing disunity, people who are talking and building a, a group that agrees with them and building a faction? How strong does the Bible talk about it? Listen to Titus 3. Um, verses 10 through 11. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice have nothing more to do with him, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. Paul instructs Titus to kick people out of the church after one or two warnings if they are continuing to stir up division. Why? Because it's shepherding and protecting the bride of Christ. And so mm-hmm. if I build up an army that agrees with me and then take it to a leader, I am going outside the leadership position that God has placed me in. I am um, then getting a, a, a faction that agrees with me. And the Bible warns not to have any divisions or factions among us. It's building a faction, which is disobedience to scripture, and it's causing a division. So what we can do if I'm in leadership, I need to honor the leadership that is around me. And I need to speak into the role that I have to the degree that the role I've been given. And I need to speak the truth in love. And I need to humble mm-hmm. myself and understand that God's going to use leaders to, to help guide in the wise path. If I, if I don't agree, then I've got to trust that Jesus said he's going to build the church and the gates of hell are not going to stand against it. Jesus is going to build the church so that that worship leader is not going to stand against it. The lead pastor is not going to stand against it. That elder team, that board's not going to stand against it. He's going to build his church. So trust that if even if it's the ends up being the wrong decision, God is going to use that as a as a helpful discipline to that church. So do as much as as the leadership position you've been placed in can allow. And then after that, if they if they don't agree and they still continue in that path that you can't in good conscience agree, mm-hmm. either you can stay and and submit with uh, with respect and with quietness, not stirring up division and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you're leading us in this way. Or you say, I can't in good conscience. And then you have to decide to leave and leave well. And we're going to talk about that in another episode. Right. Not leave with your faction not leave with your friend group, not leave with your with your ministry. But if you can't in good conscience remain, uh, then you have to leave and leave well. Yeah. The big option that's not on the table is to remain and cause problems. Uh, and oftentimes that becomes something that so so much more pain, so much more hurt, and it spreads. It's that yes. root of bitterness that spreads uh, like gangrene and, and infects. It's right. And, and it, it goes back to a lot of times I stay and, and I cause that because I'm still grieving and there's this grief. I'm trying to hold on to something. Yeah, you don't want to let go. Right. And so I've got to, gr- I've got to grieve and I've got to, it's not even a matter of trusting mm. the leadership. It's trusting God as he's going to work through leadership. Um, imperfect leaders. Yeah. And if, and we think that if I stay, then I still have some measure of control. Right. I can still, and I, I even think of 
this is a little bit of an indirect connection, but I think of God's call on his people in Jeremiah uh, 29 in exile is to seek the welfare of Babylon, right? And if God could call his remnant, his people in Babylon to seek the welfare of Babylon, right? And that their, their presence in that community is to be for the good, for the peace and shalom of Babylon, then the attitude of, well, if my church is going in the wrong direction, um, you know, and it's going in this particular, I disagree sharply. So I'm going to just do everything I can to get in the way of, you know, or, or cause problems to discredit, to bring additional uh, issues. Uh, God calls us to be a people who uh, trust that he's in, in control and that we seek the peace and shalom that we contribute towards the unity of the people we're in. And so uh, if that's something you are not able to do at the next, at the place that you are, the trust has been that broken, there's there's that, that many issues, then it is not for you to stay and, and further divide. It's time to leave. And that's a good teaser set up for the next episode because Again, there are ways to do that well, and there are ways to do that really poorly. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the next episode, we're going to have some conversation about how do we do that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything else you would add before we wrap up this episode? Nope. I think um, just in the end, Ephesians 4 um, just talks about how committed we are to be to, to unity, and that requires humbling ourselves. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we hope this helpful. This episode was helpful to you, and uh, we will for now see you on the next episode of the City Rev Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to the City Rev Life podcast. Feel free to subscribe and leave a rate and review. And we love it when you share it with your friends on social media. So don't forget to tag us at CityRev.Church. If you're interested in more resources, download our City Rev Church app and follow us on social media. Thank you so much and have a great day.